Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Hello, everyone. This is Samara Luna, and this is the Tree of Life Hour here on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network. The Tree of Life Hour is brought to you by the Tree of Life Community Center, a nonprofit group of people in the Louisville, Kentucky area that are trying to create space for people of earth-based religions and philosophies. And our show is all about the pagan community, things we think the pagan community should know and be talking about. So tonight um, I have Lady Vanessa with me. She's going to help me discuss things and hopefully, um, per her, learn a few things uh, about hand fasting. All right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we're getting, so I think we may have done a hand passing show in the past, but it's been so long ago. Um, it's probably been a few years since we did it. And um, so, and I was in a wedding yesterday, so I just thought, hey, tonight's show, we should talk about hand passing. <laughs> it's that time of year. So, um, now, Lady Vanessa, you said that you actually um, will be doing a hand passing coming up? I will be. Now, although the fact uh the fact is true, I am uh I can do it legally through uh, the New Wiccan Church. This is actually just they've already been married legally um by the uh, just of the peace, so I'll be doing the ceremony part, which for them is much more of a big deal and I think probably that's true of most people. So I have to get with my my couple, and I've already sent out the query to them. What are your vows? And they haven't quite gotten this narrowed down yet. Where they actually want to do the service, the the ritual. So they're working on those things, and I am working on, of course, trying to interview friends, family, and others who beyond just reading the texts that are out there, which are very good, I've heard, uh, to interviewing people who've actually performed the rites and people who have um, actually taken the vows uh, of hand fasting or jumping the broom, any of those traditional practices in that vein. And I would love if anybody's out there to, hearing this to for you to call in and share with us your experiences on either side of that coin, uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, I think that it's one of the most important times of anyone's experience to go through such a rite, and I'm open to all. But, yes, I will be doing one very soon in a couple, of couple three weeks, which for me is actually enough time to do a great deal of research. But I would love to hear people here because that would – provide great insight rapidly. And I think in yes. many ways, oral tradition is a big thing in Wiccan and Pagan paths. Yes. So if anybody wants to call in, our call-in number is the same number that you can call and listen to the show in. Uh, it's 347-308-8222. Uh, you can call in and uh, press 1 to let us know that you want to talk. So if anyone's listening wants to do that. Uh, I will say that I I have not do, done a full-blown hand fasting. Um, and I say full-blown because it wasn't like 
it, what I did, it was like a hand fasting on the down low. Because <laughs> uh, both, um, and it was actually the first um, the first wedding I ever did, uh, bo- bo- both both uh, both of the couple were uh, pagan, um, but right. a lot of the people that were attending the wedding were not, and including very close family that they did not want to upset at the wedding. So sure. we did traditional type wedding, but we everything that would have referenced like God with a capital G actually was like the great divine or the great power, or something like that. We used a really generic term. Um, They incorporated the hand-fasting part of tying their hands in knots. It was explained as being a Celtic tradition, and that both the bride and groom came from Celtic backgrounds, so that they had decided to do this. Um, But we did go into explain how it, it, you know, tied their their faith, you know, their um, future together, stuff like that. Right. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a hand fasting on the down low. <laughs> yeah, I've heard and that. All, that has, most of the other stuff yeah. I've done has, has been non uh, non denominational weddings. So I'm sorry, were you getting ready to say something? Well, not really. I'm just to say, yeah, I've heard that that's very common, and that's fine, and it's fairly easy to do that, despite what people may think. So, um, I'm happy to hear that that's done. I have another dear friend. I sent a hand fasting to her a couple months ago uh, for some people that I, I know, actually, at least one one of the one half of the couple I know, and apparently it went off well. It was also one of those. On the down low, just wanted somebody who was female, first of all. She wanted a female uh, minister to perform the rite and someone of a open background who would in, be more inclusive of all parties at the ceremony, not just, you know, one aspect. So it was very good from what I've heard, all good reports. That's good. So um, I will. So for those people that don't know what hand fastings are, um, I would probably say that most people in the pagan community do, but I guess not all have if they've not really attended one or actually really you know thought about having one. You may not actually know. Right. So um, a hand fasting is um, it's, it's pretty much. And I would say it's pagan, but it's not really just pagan, it, because it can be done as part of a Christian ceremony. It can pretty much be done as, as part of any religion, uh, but a lot of pagans go to it. It's more of like a, um, I don't, I'd almost say it's more intimate ritual um, as far as what it entails and what it does. Um, the whole hand fasting, the term hand fasting comes from wrapping the cords around the bride and groom's hands, um, which symbolizes uh, binding the couple together uh, in unity for their life. Um, and actually, it doesn't right. have to be life because um, a lot of ceremonies, uh, hand fasting ceremonies, do it as long as the love shall last. Right. Um. I actually read that because I used, okay, so a long time ago when I first investigated it, 
uh, or researched it, it, I read a year and a day that traditional hand, like old in like back in the old times, it was a year and a day. So it's how long a hand passing lasts. Right. Apparently, this right. is a misconception that I'm finding now. That somehow it got tied in with the year and a day classes and a year and a day, you know, with being the turn of the wheel, um, and that it's actually a misconception that the year and the day was part of a hand fasting. Huh. But I'd always heard it was, but now I'm looking at a lot of research that's saying no, it never was. It was just something that got tied in at the beginning <laughs> when it when it started to become popular again. Huh. No. Can you hear me? The, yeah. Okay, good. Um, something happened there. I was concerned that you could. Um, yeah, no, I, I re- remember from my early days, and by early I mean several decades more than, uh, being involved in BTW and and at my earliest stages, it was always a year and a day. So, um, I guess you get your vows renewed if you were coming from it then, I guess, although I was new. I wasn't even trying to administer anything. If you were coming at it from that point of view early on, I guess you would think, well, that's kind of cool. Every year I take a day at my anniversary of this, which is fairly awesome and think yeah I mean this I am the queen to this chessman's king I am the king to this chessman's queen I'm there for their back I am there as their support and confidant through thick and through thin but yes the was it Kahal Gibran poem that you were referencing earlier let there be Spaces between our love, and you had another line from that poem. Do you recall what you were saying? No. <laughs> yeah, you just did. You, but you did. You did. You said something about spaces or um, let there be movement between uh, our love, which I think is an important thing that we forget a lot of times in our Western sensibilities of what marriage ought to be and that is uh, people are people we're human we're not gods we are infallible or fallible oh well anyway <laughs> uh, we we make mistakes and in that the best thing to do is to be honest with your other person and say things aren't the way I hope they'd be right now most people can't be like that, though. Most people are like, well, they're just tired of being asked to take the trash out every morning before going to work, and it's just too much. And gosh, you know, but to take the extra step and say, you know, I care about you enough to have your back and to help you, and I want you to be there for me even when I feel this bizarre. And I think that's an important thing that we don't quite get with our concept of what marriage ought to be in Western traditional ceremonies. So the idea of there, let there be spaces between, let there be an understanding and a communication that love is not a constant, but an up and a down, like life is itself, roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. 
And to let people know that hand fastings, um, in some cultures or in some times it was just like a betrothal-type ceremony, almost like an engagement ceremony leading up to a bigger thing. Um, mm-hmm. And at some point it became more of a wedding. Um, mm-hmm. Also, part of it was that it was an informal wedding because um, I also read some stuff saying it was an informal wedding because when the church, when everyone kind of became more Christian or even was forced to become more Christian, that um, the church (laughs) could not send out um, officiants to every village or have someone at every village all the time. And not all people could wait because, you know, if, if the bride was already pregnant or if they just didn't want to wait, that the church also allowed it to where they could have a hand fasting, which was not really considered official, but it was official enough to where they wouldn't be considered living in sin. And then when the officiant <laughs> came out months later and did their little traveling, they would um, give the marriage their blessing. So, um, right. so it kind of, so I guess it, in a way, I guess it's also kind of the church allowing a, a tradition that was pre-church to continue for a while, <clears throat> and also kept them from having to be everywhere at one point, you know, all the time. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, kind of interesting when I read that. I was like, oh, I didn't know that about you know during during the church time. <laughs> So that was, well, one that of the, was pretty interesting. Um, it, it is. It's, it's absolutely fascinating how history unfolds and has affected our relationships and uh, by, uh, by extrapolating on that affected our communities and the way we bound together. And they really have. There's kind of a dichotomy, this and that, wedding, not wedding. But when you look back at what you just said regarding hand fasting, there was a time when there's a little bit of gray area, and that was okay. And we do that now, but we don't really condone it or not condone it on the up and up. It's just, well, we have sex outside marriage. We just don't say that's cool or okay. It's just a thing. And for most, you know, millennials and whatnot, yeah, it's just a thing, you know. But... There was a time when that was so foreboding, and it wasn't that long ago. Uh, within my my memory, and certainly my mother's memory, and definitely my grandmother's memory completely, uh, that that was actually illegal. It wasn't just, you know, it was illegal to uh, fornicate outside of the wedding marriage bed. Yeah. So really, but yeah. Well, I mean, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in the early what? Gosh, twentieth century. Even it was. Yeah. Earlier half of that, it was illegal. It was just and it, and it was frowned upon in the later later half after what the nineteen fifties after World War Two ish, but. It began to be, you know, if you had a kid, that was a, that's okay. And, like, now it's like, meh. It's not that big a deal to people, and it shouldn't be because where love is is where love is, and where it was, it was. And if it left a seed behind, that's where love has grown. So let it go. But there was a time when when any fornication outside of 
you, you know this, outside of, of the wedding vows were not just frowned upon, but actually considered illegal. A woman had no rights of her own anyway, and her fate could be decided by her father or brother, depending on who was in charge of her. This this was not yeah. not so many decades I knew it back. Was, it was really frowned upon, and, but I just and I, I just didn't know it was actually illegal. Well, technically it is, yeah, because you look at at the fact. Well, I mean, what happens as a result of it? You can't. It it is a thing if a woman gets pregnant. It's a thing, but yeah, to have sexual relations outside of marriage is illegal and be, and steps and in, steps into the areas of being um oh goodness let's harlot or um uh, uh a woman uh who who is you know who's a, a prostitute and that is definitely illegal but if you so if you're having yeah if you're doing if you're having sex outside of marriage, then you move toward that area, and that's definitely illegal because you're doing it for some other reason, right? I, I said it facetiously, obviously. But, <laughs> yes, there's there's definitely the, the sense that um, – well, it's not even really a sense. I mean, if you, if you, if you groveled through the, the – and, and and went through the books, I'm sure that you would see precise, more precisely what I'm saying. I can't quote you um, uh, uh, legal cases of where, oh, wow, this is illegal. But, yeah, it pretty much always has been since biblical times when, when Rachel did this or that, and not you, Rachel. Um, oops, sorry, Marilena. Uh When someone did this or that, you know, then she was cast out. And it's it's a thing, and it it always was a thing. And if we deny that it was a thing, then we're not really examining history accurately. We have to look at the fact that it was considered immoral, illegal, indecent, and uh, as 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 a desecration. And you know, today life is way different from that. And that was just what less than a hundred years ago, really. It's it's kind of scary how fast history can change things up and make make life better. But it's a good thing. Um, so for those wondering if a hand fasting is legal, first of all, it depends on if you want it to be legal. Um, because it can just be a ceremony um, declaring your love for each other. Um, I know before it became legal for... Um, for people of the same sex to get married, um, quite a few of them would do hand fasting to have a non-legal marriage. Um, Also, it also depends on who you get to associate it. Um, And it depends on the state. (laughs) You've got all kinds of things. Um, Like the state of Kentucky um, states, I I mean, I will say that I have, I am officiate, I have an officiant license or whatever it's called. Certificate, whatever. Uh, mine's through the Universal Life no. Church, which a lot of officiants I know are through the Universal Life Church because it's just easy to get a license through them. Um, you pretty much fill out a form and you're done. Um, mm-hmm. 
but the state of Kentucky actually has a pretty lenient law, or at least it used to. It was if pretty much stated that if the couple believed that the person marrying them had the right to marry them, it was legal. Hmm. At least that's what it used to be ordered, or who knows now with the governor that's well, place there. Uh, <laughs> hand fasting itself as as a as a hand fasting has never been legal or not illegal. Um, although I understood what you meant a while ago in your aspect of viewing it, and I thought that was very cool. And you're right. That's kind of like saying, yeah, what we did at Beltane was sanctified by somebody, sort of, but maybe not on all levels. And that was cool, and I got that. Um, but hand fasting hasn't really been a thing in the broader community until very recently. And if hand fasting is done, as you say, by a recognized officiant, then, of course, it's legal. It's the same as any other wedding. Uh, you just have to sign that. In Kentucky, it's a couple simple papers. Usually, the couple goes down and, forms, and fills out uh, an application for their license. And then uh, the performing minister, for lack of a better term, fills out the rest of the paperwork with them and submits it, and it's all good. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Now, Kentucky, the, I, was, I, was that, yeah. I was just stating though, that as far as it being a legal efficient, depends on where it's at like what state and everything. So, and you can look up those rules online as to when a legal efficient yep. is in each state. So, yep. Um, but like I said, but I was just surprised that Kentucky's rules were so lenient as far as that, as far as how they have it worded. Well, Kentucky wants everybody to be married and that's good by me if that's what they want and that's what people want. I think, you know, it's important for, for people to be happy in their lives with their closest so that's cool to make it easier is better right but like i said if you don't want it to be legal like you don't want to have the the state or federal government involved you don't have to have it then just don't right um no because one of my good friends uh that is married um it, it is not recognized by the government but to her and her spouse they are married Absolutely. I have friends like that. More than a few. More than a few. And that's so, okay. It, They're so, happy. All, they got what you need or want. Yeah. Right. They don't need they don't need the feds and the state saying, Yeah, you you can't file taxes together and that's ultimately what it comes down to. But you know, you get other benefits and detractions. In marriage, often your Oh, goodness. Auto insurance, for example, goes down. But certain other things, like if you have kids, your health insurance goes way, way up. So, you know, it has its good and bad thing, depending. Well, I know there's some issues with um, people that are on disability. If they get married, things can go kind of wonky with their disability insurance. So, Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, it's the same thing. It's like if it's going to if it's going to take away, who cares if it's sanctified by the state? If it's sanctified by your heart, your 
your personal community, those people you associate most closely with, maybe those people you go to circle with or you're spiritually active with, that's really what matters to, I think, most folks, most people. So, yeah, I'm good with that. I think we all should be. Yeah, right. Um, and actually, I found this interesting. I don't know how true this is, um, considering that, of course, I'm getting it off the website. Um, I'm actually getting off a thought catalog, um, which is thoughtco.com. And this one is saying that um, the word, okay, this is what it says. The word hand fasting fell by the wayside for many years. In the 1950s, when the mm-hmm. witchcraft laws were pulled in England, various occultists and witches, including Gerald Gardner and Doreen Valiant, searched for non-Christian terms for their wedding ceremonies. They settled on hand mm-hmm. fasting, with the concept, and the concept was resurrected with the neo-pagan movement. Typically, hand fasting was meant to be a secret ceremony held in front of your coven or study group. As Wiccan paganism became more mainstream, however, more and more couples are finding ways to work their pagan and Wiccan spirituality into their marriage ceremony. Well, yes. <laughs> Not sure how else to answer that, but my understanding of all that history, even before some of that a little bit, tiny bit before I was born even. But yeah, totally. Um, Hand fasting was meant to be a thing between you, your intended other, your, your partner, and your very small community. But the word wick itself has grown outside of that small bounds as it is. It's far beyond the uh, British traditional Wiccan domain anymore, and we recognize it. I think far outside that. So let's not, you know, limit it to that. I think there was certainly an effort by the people back in the 50s and 40s to to find terms to um, help people uh, with their relationships and those life moments that they wanted to recognize that were uh, specific to the growing, at that time, the growing Wiccan path that was in its rudimentary stage. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Actually, it is time for us to take a break, and when we come back, we can discuss some of the more details into the aspect of having a ceremony, a hand-passing ceremony that is kind of general information, but like detailed stuff within having it. Um, You can always change it to whatever you want it to be. But we'll just talk about (laughs) some stuff that's out there online that people talk about, you know, that they have incorporated um, or that you should take into consideration, stuff like that. So um, I did want to go ahead and go to break. So I'm going to pick, ooh, I know what song I want. I want the song um, that Tawatha Day did (laughs) with Uh uh, Dave the Bard. The hand fasting song. I like that song. And my computer's not wanting to cooperate with finding the song. <laughs> hey, everyone, I might be getting a new computer in a couple months, and this hopefully will not happen. <laughs> so it will hopefully go a lot quicker. So, okay, just let people know some of the things we'll t- talk about when we come back while I'm looking this up is um, we'll talk about some of the portions of the ritual you may or may not want to incorporate, such as jumping the broom. We'll discuss what that is. Mm-hmm. And we will also discuss um, taking into consideration inviting non-pagans 
and other things that might you want to might want to take into consideration for your hand pet. So, and I found the song. It is so I'm going to play it. It's Tuatha Dea and Dave the Bard, Dom the Bard, however you want to say it. And it is called Irish Hand Fasting. This is kind of a long song. I forgot how long it was. So, um, everyone enjoy, and we will be back. <laughs>
And we are back with computer issues and all. Sorry about that delay, people. Um, come and play the listener line real quick, and we will be back with Lady Vanessa in like 30 seconds. Hi, this is Ravenfire Doll with the Tree of Life Hour. I know a lot of you out there listen to our show in the archives. And have you ever thought when you were listening in the archives, man, I wish I was able to call in and talk to them while they had a guest or they were talking about something, well, now here's your chance. This is especially for you, our archive listeners. If you want to ever add to our conversation, please feel free to dial us on our listener voicemail line. That number is area code 502-276-5665. Tell us your name. Tell us where you're from. Leave your message in your lovely, lovely voice, and we will be more than happy to play it on an upcoming episode of the Tree of Life Hour. We love our listeners, and we thank y'all very much for listening to us. All right. And, again, this is Samara Luna with Lady Vanessa here on the Tree Life Hour, and we are discussing hand fastings, um, things we think people might want to know about them. So the first part of um, the conversation, we kind of talked about the history of hand fastings and what they are. And now I guess we're going to kind of get into the nitty-gritty of what is actually in a hand fasting. Um and, again, this can be anything you want it to be. Um, you can choose to use all of it. You can choose to just choose parts of it. It's all up to the bride and groom. So, um, Lady Vanessa, are you still with me? Yes. Oh, okay. It was yes. awfully quiet. I wasn't sure. I was like, I know what? I unmuted her. <laughs> so, um, I will say that, and I'm not going to actually use this in the conversation because I do not have the permission to um, reproduce or adapt this, even though she'd probably give it to me. But um, Selena Fox um, wrote, has a guide to planning pagan weddings on the Circle Sanctuary site. Got a lot of good questions that you should ask yourself. Um, I will just say, like, when, where, who, what, how, all that good stuff. Um, But she's got some really good stuff on there if you want to go check it out on circlesanctuary.org. So, but like I said, I'm not going to use it tonight just because I don't have permission. Um, Because it specifically says to ask permission to reproduce it or adapt it. So, Um, absolutely. But I I will say there are some really good stuff on Offbeat Bride. Thought Catalog has some good stuff. Um, About.com has, you know, some good articles on it also. So as far as what you incorporate into your ceremony, um, I have, like, the one I did, like I said, it was on the down low. (laughs) We just changed some wordings of some ceremonies and incorporated in the actual hand fasting with the cord, um, stuff like that. Or you can go full out ritual. Um, you can uh, invoke the deities, you can um, call the quarters, uh, invite the elements in. Um, it it kind of depends on what you want for your own ceremony or, and also if you really want to take into consideration the comfort of your guests. Uh, if you have really, really, like, Christian religious guests, you, may, you might want to play it on the down low or you might just want to... Um, but if you don't want to play on the demo, you know, have a place for them to sit if they don't want to actually partake in the ceremony itself. Um, the other thing that you might want to consider is if you're doing a circle, is it going to be standing or seating? Um, you might want to take into, that into consideration how much space you have to do it. <laughs> so um, just 
little things like that. <laughs> now, um, as far as things, you know, to put into the ceremony, there there's people that still do the unity candles. Um, there's also the jumping in the broom or jumping the besom. Uh, so I did promise that I would go into that. Let me find my little article I had up. Um, this is from Thought Catalog. Um, it talks about how jumping the, the besom, um, what is typically thought about that most people when they do it is it, it represents jumping the threshold uh, or jumping the broom is kind of like jumping the threshold of your home. Uh, it kind of represents that. Now, apparently, some people have asked if it's appropriation because um, during the slave era uh, in the American South that this was actually incorporated into a lot of slave weddings before it was actually legal for them to get married. Um, apparently, but... it is thought to come from Ghana and different places. Yeah. But it is, I read one article that states that they don't believe it's um, appropriation because there is literature out there where it was done in, like, the British Isles and in, in right. Ireland and Absolutely. stuff like that. Um, Absolutely. Um, so jumping the brand, yes, it's, it's ooh, way old. Yeah. And not, yeah. To, not to, not to, wow, yeah, that sounded bad. Um, but the point is that jumping the broom, jumping the besom is a concept of you you take a common tool you would have, which may not be a sword or even some fancy piece of a thami or chalice like the chaplain might have, and you do what you need to to represent the coupling of the two individuals. So it, it's an old thing, and it's not just bound to the North American continent under any off species, it 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 goes back to your at least European roots. And yes, you're right. So thank you uh, for saying that. But it the mo- most important thing one needs to remember if one wants to jump a broom or lightly have or not lightly have your hands bound as a couple in a hand fastening, which is where the word comes from. Um, with a soft ribbon or whatever you want, a tight cord, uh, just remember those concepts are not new. And by new, I mean the last 300, 400 years. They're very old concepts for two people to come together to create a new and blossoming petal on the flower of their community. Right. And I found it interesting. There is one article that states uh, one of the the things found in Wales was apparently that the broom was put along the, uh, let's see how they put it. Uh, they placed a birch broom at an angle across the doorway. The broom jumped over at first, uh-huh. followed by his bride. If neither of them knocked it out of place, the wedding was a go. If the broom fell down, it was considered the marriage was doomed to failure and the whole thing was called off. <laughs> and if the couple decided they were unhappy within the first year of marriage, they could divorce by jumping back over, back out the door over the broom. 
or as I was raised, just not retaking their vows for the year. Year right. and a day, to be precise. Um, right. So, in another folklore, states the argument that the tradition of jumping the broom originated among England's Brom population. Um, he also points out that the broom is highly symbolic, saying the symbolic significance of the ritual by to be the stepping over as a metaphor for sexual intercourse. If a woman's jumping over a broomstick produces a child, one can reasonably assume that the broomstick has phallic properties. <laughs> yep. So, and um, another thing I read was that it could also represent that everything in the past being swept away. That it was a new start, everything's starting over, everything that's happened in the past is being swept away, And but when you jump over the broom, it's a new beginning. I like that concept. Right, right. Most people I know don't jump over the broom today in a common ceremony. It is for a group of people that may or may not be Christian. It's often much easier easily accept more easily accepted to do a light binding to take the two couples wrists or the two couples the members of each uh, of the couple and put their wrists together and just you know gently fold a nice velvet or satin or silk cord around their uh, wrist and do it that way lightly and I do like to recommend and I know this is you know kind of silly but Uh, You can see kind of the same thing in a very generic way, which fits um, this perfectly, if you're trying to look outside of pagan and Wiccan constraints. Uh, In Doctor Who, the Wedding of River Song episode, where um, the Doctor and River are, are bound and... It's it's a lovely, very light, simple, generic. You wouldn't know it was pagan, but it is a um, marriage ceremony. So there you go. So, yeah, that brings us to the main thing of where hand fasting comes from is the tying the knot, where tying the knot comes from is the, uh, the wrapping of the hands, um, the hand fasting itself. Um, and like you said, it can be just a light piece of velvet, something like that, or it can be more elaborate. I know um, people that will, uh-huh. they, they pick specific colors that represent specific things, braid them together into a uh-huh. rope. Um, uh-huh. There's tra- Some traditions have specific colors or charms and stuff that they want people to use. So if you're part of a specific path, you might want to check into that. If you're not, you can you can almost do anything you want to do. Um, my, one of my friends, I mean, she's adding charms to it and everything. Um, and then you, and as far as when to do it, you can do it at the beginning of the ceremony, before the ceremony begins. You can do it um, in the middle when you take your vows. Um, some people, in one article, even said that said that a few brave souls even remain bound until they retire to their honeymoon suit. Or sweet, actually. I always say sweet automatically in my head, but can't even sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't imagine keeping my hand tied that whole time, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> Just a little light ribbon at the end during the part, the certain part where their vows are exchanging. Yeah. 
So, and I know a lot that do blessings of the rings. Uh, they ask the deities to bless the rings. Um, some hand fasting ceremonies, they don't even use rings. Um, I've seen them use necklaces or bracelets. Uh, part of that was because, like, one person just can't wear a ring for, you know, medical reasons or because of their work or something, they can't wear a ring. So they choose to do something different, like a necklace. Or if they're already, you know, legally married, already have rings, they decided to exchange something else. Um, in uh, the heathen wedding that I was part of, uh, a couple, well, it was actually Ravenfire's wedding. Uh, Ravenfire, um, I believe, yeah, they exchanged keys, I believe. So... Wow. There's, That's you nice. know, yeah, it, it, which it has to do with um, the, the or I know that at least she got keys. I can't remember. She gave him a sword, I think. Yeah, she gave him an axe or a sword or something, and he gave her keys. That's what they exchanged. Um, I think they exchanged rings, too, just to be a little bit traditional, but they exchanged keys, and, and, uh, and it had to do with, I believe, and I'm not heathen or austere, so I might be missaying this, but I think it had to do with him being the protector and her being becoming in charge of the household. So the keys were to, right. you know, show that she was put in charge of the household and the, the sword or axe was him becoming the protector. Wow. So, nice. Let's see. Um, can you think of anything else since you've started uh, researching some of this we should talk about? Well, I think the most important thing ultimately isn't my research or what I've read or heard even, although I I definitely value what I've heard, um, is what the couple wants and what their needs are. If they have a group of non-alternative paths, as I like to call it, practitioners, then it's very easy to create a ceremony rich in pagan symbolism that suits a modern marriage ceremony. It's extremely simple to recreate the idea of binding or jumping in unison over a broom or a straw or other a rug. I've seen something done with a rug once, but that was long ago. That uh, there's a lot of ways to do that, and that's a good thing, that we have so many options and so much available, and you're open to utilizing those formats and designs into your ceremonies as you need. Yeah, and Todd Cowg actually makes a point that don't make your hand fasting being your way of coming out of the burn closet. <laughs> Um, because and they make a good point because you want good energy at a hand fast. Um, if right. you're afraid that that doing something or inviting someone to your hand fasting isn't going to bring the energy you want, you may, may not either want to do it or invite that person. Um, it also states right. that you really should make everyone aware before the ceremony what kind of ceremony it is. And give them the option to back out if they want. Don't make right. them feel guilty for backing out if they don't feel comfortable doing it. Right. So Absolutely you wouldn't want somebody accurate. to force you to go to, like, a full-on Catholic wedding that you don't feel comfortable at 
but you and then turn around and try to force like them to come to a pagan handbag. So that is, um, I guess, if you have any questions, um, and there are multiple books out there actually on hand fasting. I was trying to find mine before the show, yeah. uh, but I couldn't find it. Um, now there are. Search either. I, I don't know there why are, but I couldn't find it in a search either. There are quite a lot on the subject. Although I have to tell you, in 1989, there weren't. So there. So enjoy the fact that people are exchanging information at a greater rate. There are more people interested and curious uh, exchanging ideas about alternative concepts to marriage ceremonies and how that can be done in a comfortable, sharing, uh, non-intrusive way in the broader community. Yes. Uh, so it is about time for us to end the show. Um, there is someone calling in. So Lady Vanessa, before I end the show, I'm going to see what they want. If you don't mind telling everyone um, if they want to get in contact here or where you'll be at, and I will be right back. <laughs> okay. Hello? Hi, this is Lady Vanessa here on Tree of Life Radio. I am a 38-year or more practitioner of British traditional Wiccan path here in the U.S. Currently, my upcoming events include a dark market appearance on Saturday, 4 August at 1435 South Shelby Street in Louisville, Kentucky, 40217. That is... um, dark market there will be musicians and all kinds of wonderful fun things happening lots of artists to see and things to do great food fun drink performances and of course vendors i'll be there with tarot readings as well as my magical arts including my enchanted earrings and blessed soul just let you know about so come on back <laughs> Hey, hey, Samira Luna. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Um, it was just a person asking about the show, and just to remind everyone, uh, Pagan Tonight Radio Network, we do pagan-related shows almost every day that you can listen to around 9 p.m. Eastern. And the Tree Life Hour is just kind of a general pagan community show. We do um, current events sometimes. We talk about specific paths, like tonight we're talking about hand fastings. So um, that was kind of like what the question was. So I just wanted to say that real quick. <laughs> there you go. So, and I'm sorry, did you have anything else you wanted to say since I interrupted you? Well, you, while you were gone, I sort of introduced myself to uh, all our listeners where I'm going to be next. Um, taking it a little slow this summer. The heat is like, ooh. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, so there's a dark market on 4 August at 1435 South Shelby Street, and that's always a lot of fun there. There will be um, music and DJs and food trucks and all kinds of different visual arts. I'll be having um, 
tarot readings as well, offering tarot readings as well as uh, my enchanted earrings, blessed salts, and other esoterica. So come on out. It'll be a good time. All right. So um, I am going to also play some other upcoming events that are going to be out. Um, I will say that if anyone has an event that you wish for us to announce on the air, please contact us at facebook.com slash treeoflifelouky, or you can find me as Samara, S-Y-M-A-R-A, Luna, on Facebook, and send me an invite through there. Um, Like I said, uh, any events coming up, and Facebook invites are great because I can put them on my calendar and just read them all to you. <laughs> it makes it a little bit easier for me. So as far as events that are coming up, um, I have, um, I'm not sure if this is really pagan or not, but I thought this was interesting. Um, Cosmic Crystal Souls with Nicholas Pearson in a Zuzu's Healing Art. Uh, in Melrose, Massachusetts. Oh, wait a minute. That's today, 7 p.m., 9.30 p.m. Never mind. That doesn't really help anyone, does it? <laughs> oh. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I would have thought that wouldn't have even shown up because I think it's already after that time in Massachusetts. Circles, Fairies 101, and they'll be 7.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And that is at Crystal Spirit House in Lebanon, Tennessee. And then also we have Cumberland Falls is having their moon bow, which I've always wanted to go check it out. Um, it's July 25th, 9 p.m. to 11.30 p.m., and that is at Cumberland Falls State Resort Park in Corbin, Kentucky. Uh, I believe they are selling tickets for that, so you might want to check it out online first to make sure that they're not sold out. I heard it is very popular. By the way, that's, I think that's when the moon makes a rainbow through the to a waterfall or something. Do you know anything about that, Lady Vanessa? Okay. I Can you hear you me now? Yourself. Yeah. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. Yeah. In Cumberland Falls, they have the fam- world famous moon bow. And I'm not particularly sure about this event or that I know of it, but I am so excited. I would like for you to tell me again where I'm supposed to go and who I'm supposed to contact. That sounds fabulous. Um, it says, let me check it out right now. Um, it's hosted by SUP Kentucky on Facebook. Um, it says the tickets are at peaks.com, so I don't know. Um, this specific one has to do is a water excursion where they are paddling up then um, that they're paddling up the lake. But I believe you can okay. go to the state park website also at Cumberland Falls State Resort Park. Look that up online, and you'll probably get more information as far as if you don't want to paddle up the river. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't mind because I, I know it's a pretty gentle river in that area. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the, the organization was SUP Kentucky at peak.com. All right. Well, I think peak.com just may be where they're selling their tickets. So that may be something okay. like a ticket yeah. outlet. Thing. Gotcha. So, yeah. I'm going to so check also, that out. It's something I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, okay, July 28th um, at 4 p.m., there's a pagan meet and greet in Indianapolis at Holiday Park, Indy Parks and Recreation. Um, that is Indianapolis, Indiana. They are having, um, it says uh, someone's hosting it, uh, and it looks like maybe it was originally the 14th and moved to the 28th. Um, it says it's located at Holiday Park on the north side. They encourage you to bring your tools, crystal cards, anything you'd like. Uh, also, we have um, Games of Lulunasa Celebration at Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Hendersonville in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Um, that is Sunday, July 29th, 12.30 to 2.30. There's also a first meeting of music. It's just CLTY. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, Metaphysics Books Club uh, in... Nashville, Tennessee. Um, oh, that's their first meeting. Yeah. Yeah, so that's their first meeting. Those to be announced. It's July 29th in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, they said the book club will meet weekly. Um, oh, wow. this is someone's personal address. So, um, check for Music City Medicine. Oh, City. That's what it's supposed to be. It's capital I, and that's what it's going to be Look for Music City Metaphysics Book Club online and message them because this is actually looks like someone's personal address, and I do not want to say this um, on the air. So just look right. at that group um, and join it and message them um, if you are interested in it, because uh, and I'll let them give out the address. <laughs> right. Um, let's see. We also have July 31st, uh, Llamas Herblore, the Plants of Harvest Home. That is going to be at Asheville Raven and Crone in Asheville, North Carolina, and that's Tuesday, July 31st, 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Uh, 10 to $25 suggested donation on arrival, but they say no one is turned away for lack of funds. Um, you can learn more about the presenter, Becky Byer, and her classes at bloodandspicebush.com. Uh, and then I'll go ahead and go through that weekend. So Friday, August 3rd, Lamas Community Ritual. Uh, oh, wait. By, at Burton, Burton Street Community Peace Gardens in Asheville, North Carolina. It's Friday, August 3rd, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, Voodoo Billy Witches Ball, August 3rd, um, in, at the end in Nashville, Tennessee, 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. And then we have the World of Fairies Festival, South Elgin, Illinois, August 4th. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, more tickets and more information is available at theworldoffairies.com. By the way, fairies is spelled F-A-E-R-I-E-S. And then the last thing I'm going to say, Sunday, August 5th, Llamas, the first harvest, is going to be at Malvern Hills Park, Sunday, August 5th, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. in Asheville, North Carolina. Virtual will start at 3 p.m. with potluck to follow. I have one. Go on, go for it. Okay. I want to forget um, the Lama celebration to inaugurate the upcoming year of CUPS activities at First Unitarian Universalist Church for the CUPS Covenant of Unitarian Universalist Pagans will be Wednesday, 1 August. 
809 South 4th Street, 40203 in Louisville, Kentucky, at 7 p.m. So we'll have a Llamas Festival that night at 7 p.m. to send off um, good energies and celebrate our upcoming year. We have classes uh, twice monthly, as well as celebrate the seasons. Normally, it's a slightly different time, but we take a little bit of time back for, for the summer for ourselves. So come on in and visit us uh, here in Louisville on that day and enjoy Llamas with us. Thank you. All right, so that is it for the show tonight. I hope everyone learned something because I know I did doing the research for it. Um, so as far as, let's see, um, I'm going to play this song. I don't think I've heard it before, but it's by Jennifer Gorey, and the song is called Chapel of Ease. And I will be speaking to everyone next week, and I hope everyone has a blessed evening.